0: Let me tell you about a situation, I guess, similar to that in a way. Uh, when I got a job at one of the, I worked at, let's see, one, two, three, four churches. At the second church, uh, I, my first day of work, the guy uh, who uh, was one of my two bosses, one of them was the middle school minister. His name was Chad Johnson. And it was his duty that day to take me around, my first day of work, take me around, and walk around from place to place, introducing me to people, showing me stuff at the church. And so he was walking me around, introducing me to people. And then after introducing me to everybody, he walks me into the IT guy's office. And IT guy wasn't in the room that day. He was off doing IT stuff, whatever they do. Uh, And he set me down on the opposite side of the IT guy's desk, and there was a Mac computer there, an Apple computer. I had never touched one before in my life. I'd never seen one in person. Before in my life. Give it up for our deacons. Aren't our deacons amazing? I don't even ask. It just comes, it appears. It appears. Thank you, Mike. Mike is phenomenal. He is great. And at this very second, Mike, you are my favorite deacon. That's right. <laughs> uh, at this second, I don't know. But that one, he was. He was. Um, and so my first day where he's taking me around, he sits me down in front of a Mac computer. I've never seen one. And I actually found one of these here at the church This actual, this very camera no I mean not this exact one This, this kind of camera uh, Was the one that was sitting there It is a Canon GL2 I remember, that was there And it's got a little It's got the flip out screen deal here It's 4 by 3 ratio, it's not widescreen This is what it was back then And it didn't record to memory cards Anybody remember the day when you recorded Let's See if it opened it it won't. You know, there's no battery in it, but it recorded the tape right there, and uh, so this was sitting next to the computer. This camera, Canon camera GL2, Mac computer. Chad said, "Sit right there," and so I sat down, and he goes, "All right, it's Monday. <laughs> Keep in mind, it's Monday." He said, "We need a five-minute video by Sunday," and then he walked out of the room. Never touched a Mac computer. I'd only made peripheral videos just being, actually being peripheral, being next to the guy who actually made the videos at my last church, and it was on a very consumer camera, not one that looks like all these buttons, like I, I had no idea what these buttons did, what, what EXP with the little dial, I, I, W balance, I, at the time I had no idea what any of this stuff meant um, but I had between that day, it was Monday afternoon, I had Monday afternoon to Sunday to make this video happen, to figure out the camera to shoot the video, to figure out the computer, to figure out, at the, to figure out how to get the video from the tape to the computer. I didn't know any of this stuff. And YouTube was YouTube back in the early 2000s, not YouTube today. And you got to figure it all out. So I sat there in shock for a few minutes and uh, then got to work and tried to figure this deal out. And come Sunday morning, there was a video that went up on screen. Um, I There's no way I wouldn't even try to find that video because it would be too embarrassing uh, to find it today. But somehow it got up on screen and it was there and I produced a video. And so I had produced a video. So I was a video producer by the end of the week. Because what you produced proves who you are. Even though I didn't know at the beginning of the week, I knew it at the end of the week. Uh, And ultimately I learned more and learned more and I ended up being a videographer for a few years uh, with a different camera than this one. (laughs) But Uh, knowing some video stuff, but all, all of it started that day because what you produce proves who you are. Some of you have produced children. You are a parent. Whether you're a good one or not, we're not talking about that right now, but what you produce proves who you are, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. That's what this entire section of Scripture we're going to be diving into is all about. Not only what you produce proves who you are, but Sometimes like that day sitting at that desk. I can I can even picture it right now. That guy's desk on the other side where the computer was. I can, I can picture it. Oh my goodness, Max. Max, you're my favorite sound man today. Look at that. Thank you, Max. Look at she's asking you showers. If you don't ask, you don't have you will not receive. Uh, you do not have because you do not ask. asking you showers. These guys are amazing. I love our people. I love you, Max. I love you. Uh, me and Stephanie. Stephanie's right in line of sight. Me and Stephanie. we love you, Max. He can't hear me. He's in the hallway. Uh, We'll tell him later (laughs) Uh, But uh, uh, Sometimes Like that day in that guy's office You have to start Before you're ready You just have to start before you're ready I mean it's the same with being a parent Can I get an amen on that parents If you wait until you're ready You're not going to be ready Ever Ever and if you have one kid, you start thinking, well, I'm going to change this. I need to have this, this, and this in a row before the next kid comes. And the next kid comes, you're like, well, I did not have any of those things in line. They just show up. And then all of a sudden, you got five kids, and you're like, I do not have anything ready by the fifth kid. You know, and it just happens. And uh, sometimes you just got to start. You just have to do it. I mean, whether you're ready to feed the kid or not, the kid needs to eat. You just have to start whether you're ready or not. you just got to do it. Before you're ready or not, you know this is a principle. Actually, in Pixar movies, anybody ever heard of Pixar? If you haven't, you need to come on. Toy Story, it's phenomenal cinema. Anyway, uh, but that's their philosophy: is not to talk it to death. Just start. Actually, one of the guys who's in charge of Pixar now, uh, he came up with a statement that said, "Fail faster, because if you mess up, if you mess up faster, then you can fix it. But if you wait," Until months down the road, until you just make a decision, then at that point you fail. But you could have already corrected it several months ago and been further down the road than where you end up being at that point. He said, "Just, just get it done. Start before you're ready. Just go ahead and start and get it done and get there, and you will accomplish it. If you've ever written a paper for school, just start. It's going to be horrible the first draft, and the professor, or the teacher is going to tell you how terrible it is and make you fix it anyway. Caleb, how many drafts of my dissertation did I write? Like." 13. And that first one I thought was it. I was like, man, I'm going to be the only one in the history of this school who they're going to say this first paper is it. And he cut like half of it. And I'm thinking, how am I going to write these pages? This is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. I was depressed for like three weeks. And you just have to go and do and understand that things are going to change. Things are going to shift. I had a guy that I used to go with on mission trips. Uh, We counted the other day, and I've been on from junior high, high school, college, after college, at at my jobs, something like 27 mission trips, and there was a, there was a quote that stuck with me, one of the, right in the middle, this guy, his name was Chuck Niven, and uh, he he, he had the statement that he would always say, because something always goes wrong, and Micah can testify to this, I've still got saved on my phone the, the year that they were going to Ethiopia, and the bus broke, and the the voicemails that I was getting from Micah at 2 a.m., I saved them, because I love them, but uh, his, his statement was, you've got to be super gumby. You've got to be super flexible because stuff's going to happen and you just got to go. If you just sit there and wallow in the fact that something happened, you're never going to get to where you're going and God's not going to accomplish what He needs to accomplish in your life and in the lives of those you're supposed to influence. So you just got to start and then you've got to keep going. You've got to keep going. Because if you wait until you're ready, then ultimately, at some point, pride's going to enter into the mix and mess up whatever God's placed in front of you. And you don't want that to happen. So you just keep your eyes on Jesus and move on to the next thing. And so what we're going to look at today is in Luke chapter two. I want you to look here in Luke chapter two. Uh, we're going to give you some background, starting in verse 22. In Luke chapter two, we're going to see about starting and, and, and pursuing and producing what God has placed within you, and that, how that proves who you are. You see, Jesus has just been born here in Luke chapter 2. He's, I mean, just been born. He's just been born, and Mary and Joseph are there, and they have to make a decision of of what they're going to do with him. And so, in Jewish law, they they were supposed to do what was called the uh, rites of purification. They have to offer a sacrifice and these things, and they were in Bethlehem, a few miles from Jerusalem, and said, let's just go to Jerusalem, go to the temple and get it done there. Uh, Look at verse 22 of Luke chapter 2. When the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as is written in the law of the Lord. Every male who opens the womb shall be called holy of the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what was written, or what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And so Mary and Joseph, you know, Jesus is born. And and again, if I'm Mary and Joseph and an angel comes to me and says You're going to have a child and it's going to be the Son of God What I am going to do is Pour over every scripture that talks about the Son of God And make sure we get everything right Like, you know, you want to do it with your kid You, you, you get all the books from The library, if y'all don't know what a library is Look it up on Google, I know things are different now You've got Wikipedia and all that jazz But you go to the library and you look up Everything there is about the Son of God And the Messiah coming, and what that's going to what, what needs to happen And undoubtedly they did that and so they want to follow all of, of the law as closely as they possibly can because this is the Son of God. And so Jesus arrives, and they say, okay, well, we, we have to go and offer this sacrifice, the sacrifice of purification. We've got to go and do this. And it says there, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, a lot of times in the law, the Old Testament law, they would give two different sacrifices you were supposed to give according to something. One was for everybody, and then... God made a concession if you didn't have much money and you would give something that was cheaper like this, turtle doves or two young pigeons. And so this leads us to believe that Mary and Joseph did not have very much money because this sacrifice that they're going to go and offer isn't a lamb that was the regular sacrifice. It was the the cheaper sacrifice. And so they get these animals that they're going to go and offer as a sacrifice and they go to Jerusalem, just a few miles down the road from where they were in Bethlehem. And so they now... I want you to try to picture this, okay? Jesus has just been born. I mean, a few days removed from Jesus being born. Mary and Joseph holding the Son of God. I mean, first of all, that's hard to wrap your head around. But they're holding the Son of God, and they walk into Jerusalem, walk into the temple that was supposed to represent the heart of the nation. You know, Jerusalem was supposed to be the heart of the nation and the temple was supposed to be the heart of the city and the the Holy of Holies was supposed to be the heart of the temple. And so this is supposed to be, it's supposed to be the representation for all of the believers of God, the representation of God's presence. And so here come Mary and Joseph carrying the Son of God into God's presence in the temple. You think that's going to cause a little bit of a spiritual disruption going on there in the room? Look at what happens. Verse 25. Now, there was a devout man, or a man in Jerusalem, whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. That's the calling out of Israel, the calling from Israel, the the reconciliation of Israel, the believers. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now, that phrase is very important for something in a minute. The Holy Spirit was upon him, this man, Simeon. He's there. He's in the temple. It calls him righteous and devout. He's a follower of God. He is devout. He has great reverence and faithfulness and loyalty. He is committed to the ways of God. He is all in to what God has. This man, Simeon, he's there, and he's in the temple, and he's praying, and he's waiting, and he's anticipating, and he's patterned his life after what God has for him to do. And look, God has spoken to him because the Spirit was on him. Verse 26. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now this is interesting. So the previous verse said the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now it says it's been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. So because the Holy Spirit was... Now the Holy Spirit being upon him is different than the Holy Spirit being in him. And I'm going to explain that in a minute. But every Christian has the Holy Spirit in us. Every one of us. Scripture tells us that in, in... Uh, uh, Romans, Uh, I want to say Romans I don't have it in my notes, I I think it's Romans 14 Somewhere in there Uh, I could have sworn I put that in my notes But I don't, Uh, I want to say it's Romans 14 Uh, It says that, yeah, Romans 14 9, no, I'm totally wrong Don't listen to me, I'm wrong Uh, It is in Romans, it's in verse 9 And 14 of one of the chapters in Romans (laughs) I can't remember the chapter, I think it's maybe Romans 5, but it's in Romans Uh, But it says that everyone who believes In Jesus has the Holy Spirit so you have the Holy Spirit, but having the Holy Spirit is different than the Holy Spirit being upon you. The Holy Spirit being upon you is the Holy Spirit filling you up, being completely filled and directed. You listening to the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit is upon you, you're a listener to the Holy Spirit. That doesn't just mean you hear him, that means you listen and he directs your steps. okay? So the Holy Spirit was upon Simeon. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was listening to the Holy Spirit. And because he was listening, it was revealed to him that he would not die until the Messiah came. Now, this is huge, guys. Simeon has heard from God that he's not going to die until with his own physical eyes he sees the Son of God. Now, there's been prophecies here for a century. There had been prophecies thousands of years before that the Son of God was going to come. And then no prophet said anything for 400 years. That would be like, us here in the year 2020, no prophet has existed. Or we haven't heard a word from the Lord since 1620. Do you remember what happened in 1620? I don't. I got two history teachers in my family. <laughs> I don't remember what happened in 1620. No idea. No idea. But they that was the last word from a prophet of God came 400 years before. And here this Simeon, even though it had been 400 years, he was still devoted to the things of God. He was still dedicated to the things of God, faithful, committed, loyal to the things of God. And he's there in the temple. He's heard from the Spirit that that now time has come. The Messiah has come. It's been hundreds of years since they've heard a prophecy, but this is the day. It's happening in his lifetime. We don't know how old Simeon is. We assume he was older because of what it says there, but we don't really know how old Simeon is. He just heard from the Lord that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Look at verse 27. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. So there we have three times in three verses. The Holy Spirit was upon him. It was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. He came in the Spirit, under the Spirit's direction, into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God And said these words Lord Now you are letting your servant depart in peace According to your word For my eyes have seen your salvation That you have prepared in the presence of all peoples Now this is is huge guys All right, Simeon We don't know anything about Simeon Except what we just read As far as we know he's not a priest As far as we know he's not a religious leader guy We don't know anything like that about him We don't know if he's wealthy. We don't know if he's poor. We don't know know, if he's tall, if he's short. We don't know anything about Simeon, except he's heard from the Lord because the Lord is on him. The Holy Spirit is upon him. And he's there in the temple. Just some random guy comes up to Mary and Joseph and takes the Son of God from their arms. If you're Mary and Joseph, you're going to let this stranger man come and take your baby? (laughs) But he does. They do. And he's standing there. And now, picture it, okay? This is what we're going to picture. He's declaring this out loud in the Jewish temple. He's saying this loud in the Jewish temple, surrounded by people who are singing, who, who are praying. They're, they're worshiping the Lord. And here's Simeon saying these words out loud. The Messiah is here. The salvation of Israel is here. But he doesn't say the salvation of Israel yet. Notice the first thing he says. He says, you've prepared this in the presence of all peoples. So the first declaration of salvation is that salvation is for all people. And normally what you would see in some prophecies is you would see for Israel and the Gentiles, for the Jews and the Gentiles. But look at the order of these next two verses of what Simeon says, with the Holy Spirit speaking through him. Verse 32, this child is a light for revelation to the Gentiles. And he's declaring this in the temple of the Jews. Okay? Gentiles first and for glory to your people Israel. That's not by accident. There's no accidental words in Scripture. He says the salvation has come to everybody. The salvation has come to the Gentiles and the Jews. God's making a point in speaking the Holy Spirit through him that salvation isn't limited to a certain kind of people. Salvation's for everybody. Everybody. No matter your past, no matter what you did last night, no matter if you're in this room, or you're watching this in two months, in jail. Salvation is for everybody, irregardless of anything else. And so Simeon is declaring this in the temple to Mary and Joseph about the Son of God. Look at verse 33. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them. He blesses them both. And he says to Mary, his mother Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword that will pierce through your own soul also, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Our hearts are revealed in how we respond in action to Jesus' word in our lives. Our hearts are revealed in what we do based upon our interaction with Jesus. On how we live, on the decisions we make, on the things that come out of our mouths, on where we spend our money, on how we talk to our family, our friends, or how we post stuff online. I, what he says there, your hearts are revealed. Your thoughts are revealed there. But Simeon had the Holy Spirit on it, and only because of the Holy Spirit was he able to hear the, hear the Word of God and speak the Word of God and sense that there is Jesus, there is the Son of God. Holy Spirit is on him, verse 25. Uh, by the Holy Spirit, verse 26, He came in the Holy Spirit into the temple, verse 27. He's in the Holy Spirit in the temple. He walks in the Holy Spirit into the temple, which is very important because Paul writes in Galatians chapter 5 to walk by the Spirit. We're supposed to, as Christians, we're supposed to walk by the Spirit. Here's Simeon before Pentecost. Has the Holy Spirit filled with the Holy Spirit Walking according to the Holy Spirit In the temple And Paul writes Decades later To walk by the Spirit Galatians 5.16 Which means to live in a a customary A habitual manner We're supposed to live habitually walking by the Spirit We're supposed to make it a habit To walk according to the Spirit To to walk according to what the Spirit directs Walk according to how the Spirit speaks to us Simeon had made A habit of listening to the Spirit and having the Spirit direct his life. He had made a habit of listening to the Spirit. Now, listening to the Spirit is something that oftentimes gets muddied because listening to the Spirit is not a gut feeling. It's not. It's not a gut. Gut feelings are based upon our own personal experiences. You and I could be standing at a crossroads. And have a gut feeling. Uh, you could have a gut feeling to go left. I could have a gut feeling to go right, and that's based on the fact: if I go right, that every time I went left, something bad happened. So I'm not gonna go left. My gut feeling was go right, and your gut feeling was go left because your experience says going right never turns out well. Our gut feelings are based upon our experiences. Has has uh, ends up directing what we call earthly wisdom into our lives. Not that that's all bad. I mean, experience can be good. It is good. The Lord leads us into experiences but when experience in our decision making trumps the holy spirit's voice it's bad every single time every single time if our experience ever tr- if in our decision making process trumps the word of the spirit we need to walk by the spirit if we're not having to listen to the spirit it's not a gut feeling the holy spirit's also not the voice that you hear most common in your head the voice that you hear most common in your head is probably just you probably your voice. That's what we're most familiar with, is hearing our voice speak in our minds. It's our voice. Now, the Holy Spirit does speak to us in that way, sometimes. But the voice we hear most common is our own. Sometimes we can talk ourselves into believing the voice in our head is the Holy Spirit when it's really just us. And we're not as familiar with the Holy Spirit's voice during that season, and so not being familiar with His voice leads us to believe the thing that's speaking, which is us, is really Him. And leads us down a path that is not always great. But the problem with that is, Again, I don't know about you. I'm a sinful person. Sinful. Sinful thoughts, sinful heart. Scripture tells us the heart is deceitful above all else. So don't follow your heart. It's deceitful. It's going to lie to you. And so I know that the thoughts that I am producing on my own come from a place of sin. And so when I follow that thought in my head or that gut feeling, it's coming from a place of sin. But when the Holy Spirit speaks, it comes from a place of perfection. And so I've got to listen to the Spirit and allow that to form a habit so that Galatians chapter 5, I end up walking by the Spirit, walking by the Spirit. I've got the Holy Spirit upon me like Simeon there, verse 25, and then He will reveal things to me and the way I need to go and how I need to live and where I need to walk and the things I need to do so that I can live according to the Spirit, according to the Spirit, which Galatians five seventeen, those next few verses there, uh, I don't have them on the screen, but those next few verses in Galatians five seventeen and following, it says that living according to those things, gut feelings, uh, uh, those voices in our heads, uh, living according to those things is living in opposition to the Spirit. But living by the Spirit is something else entirely. Living according to the Spirit comes from a habit of acting on the Spirit's direction. I'm going to give you a series here, all right? This one point, I think, is four slides. (laughs) So living according to the Spirit comes from a habit of acting on the Spirit's direction. Okay? As believers in Christ, we want to live according to the Spirit. Because that is where you find your best life. That's where you find the life God designed for you. That's where you find everything, is living according to the Spirit. He's going to show you those things. And so, how do we then live according to the Spirit? Well, you live according to the Spirit when, you're, have, when you have formed a habit of acting on the Spirit's direction. Well, then how do you act on the Spirit's direction? The next point, His direction can only be followed if we hear His voice. We can't follow His direction if we don't hear His voice. We've got to hear His voice in order to follow His direction, to follow His direction in order to develop a habit of living according to the Spirit. So His direction can only be followed if we hear His voice. Then how can we hear His voice? His voice can only be heard if we first recognize His voice. You can't hear it if you don't recognize it. You can't listen to it if you don't recognize it. If you don't recognize the voice of the Spirit within you, His voice within you, you can't recognize, if you don't recognize it, you can't really hear it. It's just one voice in among all the noise that's there. In among all the influences, in among all the things telling us, "We'll choose this or choose that or go here and go there. And we end up being, in the ending up at a place that we never should have been to begin with. Because a lot of people me, a chief among the list, want to make as many people happy as possible. And so we try to make a decision that will not offend the most amount of people <laughs> or offend the least amount of people. It always ends up offending somebody. And so if we make decisions in that way, then make decisions based upon what will make the most people happy, then the second their happiness is gone, so will ours. What we need to do is pursue the voice of the Spirit because pursuing his voice, pleasing God above and above everything else, pleasing God over and above everything else will lead us down this path to living according to the Spirit, following the voice of God, pleasing God will lead us into a life that he designed for us, he planned for us before we were ever born. So we got to recognize his voice, to hear his voice, we've got to hear his voice, to follow his direction once we follow His direction, we can develop that habit. But then how can we recognize His voice? How do we recognize the voice of the Spirit? How do we hear the voice of God? It's a question. I've got, I've got this prayer journal. It's right down there. and I got the, it's, it's got a whole bunch of sections in it. If you, if you ever heard the bullet journal, it's, I kind of took a bunch of those ideas. And there's a section there for, for prayer. And I've got these prayer um, things that I pray every day. And I've got one column with the prayer listed. And I got one column with the date that I start praying, and then one column with the date that God answered, and I put a yes or a no. Um, And I've been doing that now over a year, and I actually had my first no (laughs) on those things just a few weeks ago. Um, Everything else has been a yes. It's been phenomenal to see, and I encourage you to do that, because it's it's great to see God says yes a lot more than we think. (laughs) And we just don't often realize, because we pray it and move on. But when you keep a record of it, you're like, man, God, He's really, God's God's pretty good. I don't know if you know that or not, but He is. And you can see that in in your own life. But several of the ones that I've written recently are people that I have talked to specifically who have asked, how can I hear the voice of the Lord? How can I hear God's voice? How can I recognize what God is saying to me? Well, this is where it begins. His voice can only be consistently recognized if we are familiar with His Word. See, here's a bunch of pages with a bunch of words that he spoke. That's why we call this the word of God. Him speaking these words. And so his voice can only be consistently recognized if we're familiar with his word, if we're familiar with how he speaks. And then when those voices begin to speak into our minds to, to give us direction, our, our, our own thoughts, our own gut feelings, other people's influence and advice, only when we are familiar with the tone of his voice will we know which one is him speaking. We've got to be familiar with his voice. We've got to be familiar with it. We've got to recognize his voice by being familiar with his word. I've mentioned in here before a guy that I look up to in an incredible way. I've read his biography several times His name is George Mueller He had recorded over 30,000 prayers That God said yes to in his life 30,000 prayers That God answered in the affirmative In his life Journals upon journals upon journals Of just prayers that God answered yes And people Have studied him and say Why, how, why did God bless this man In this way Why did God say yes to him so many times Well, when you study his life, you also discover something else. He got saved, not when he was a young child, but when he was a little bit older. And he began to dedicate himself to God's Word. And he read Scripture cover to cover 300 times in his lifetime. That's a lot. I mean, just think about how many years you've been a Christian. How many times you've read Scripture cover to cover? Not quite 300, I would imagine. (laughs) I associate those two together. There's two exceptional things in this man's life. He read Scripture through more than 300 times. God answered more than 30,000 of his prayers, yes, because he was familiar with the Lord's voice. Being familiar with the Lord's voice, he prayed according to the voice of the Lord in his life, and he prayed in that way. And so in that, uh, you know, what something that I've undertaken in my own spiritual journey is, is I, I begin to realize uh, the more scripture that I take in, I realize I need more scripture. I take in more. I need more. God reveals to me I'm, I, I, I need more than what I've got. I need more than what I've got. I'm taking in so many things throughout the day. So many emails, so many texts, so many visits, so many people's opinions about this, that, and the other thing, and yet I'm not taking in near as much of God's Word as I need to influence me. I'm allowing all, all those other things to influence me more than God's Word. Anybody else have that issue? One of you. I so saw one head nod. Okay, me me, and you, Kelly. We're we're on the same wavelength right here. Um, but God's Word can shape who we are. When we're going through something difficult that begins to occupy every waking moment. Have you ever had this season happen in you when you wake up thinking about something? You think about it all day. You have imaginary conversations in your head. You go to sleep thinking about it, and you don't sleep very much. You wake up at 2 a.m. and go to the bathroom. You're still thinking about it. You go back to bed. You wake up in the morning. You're still thinking about it. It occupies your mind. When you're having a conversation with somebody else about something completely different, you're arguing in your mind about that person, that imaginary conversation, rather than being in the conversation that you're physically in because it's occupying everything and you're anxious all the time and there's no peace because it's it's just always there or maybe it's a health scare or maybe it's a financial worry or maybe uh, it's Christmas how am I going to function at Christmas maybe it's COVID maybe it's whatever and it's just always there and you can't let it go it's always just eating away at you robbing you of your peace robbing you of your joy If we ingest more and more, personal testimony, if you ingest more and more scripture, it will change you. Change you. I started something, what is today? Today is the 13th. Uh, two and a half months ago, God gave me a challenge to try to read scripture through before the end of the year. I said, God, you're crazy. You're crazy. No. No way that's going to happen. Like, I've done those, read the Bible in a year plans, and one day is hard. You know, you read a little bit of Old Testament, read a little bit of New Testament, a Psalm, and like two verses of Proverbs. And I said, God, you know, hmm. I said, God, you know my history, right? <laughs> like, that's, you know, you want me to finish it in 90 days at, at the time. Like, there's no way, God. And he, he said, what we started at the beginning, just start. Just start. And so me being an analytical person, I took the days and divided up how many days of that plan I would had to accomplish every single day to make it happen. And, uh, man, it was rough there for a while. I tell you what, like those first few weeks, like I was trying to read through those little plans on the Bible app uh, right before I went to bed. You know, I was just trying as hard as I could just to get through them. Make sure I got my checks Because you want the checks Like it feels good It pops up and says Hey, yay, you completed the day uh, And then of course When I'm doing this The Bible app runs slow And it's making me frustrated As I read the Bible And all this stuff and, But what I began to discover As I went further in And I actually changed The way I did it As I went further in uh, Because I also discovered um, Maybe it's just this season Of my life At the moment But I, for me This may not be you. I ingest things Easier during this season um, if I hear them, and the Bible app has that read to you option, which is phenomenal <laughs> uh and uh i I turn up the speed just a little bit because the guy reads a little slow for me, <laughs> and I just pop in some earbuds and just listen to him read and if you 've never had somebody read scripture to you before. Stuff that you've read a thousand times in the past completely changes the way it is when somebody's reading it to you. Like the words of Paul, his letters were supposed to be read to the churches that he's writing to, and when you've got the guy on the thing with the phenomenal deep voice reading it to you, you're like, man, that's what they were hearing. This is the way that they heard Scripture, was vocally like this. And it began to change. This is just testimony time. Because I've got the mic and you don't. You can do testimonies later. This is mine. Uh, It began to change, I mean, not how I viewed scripture, but it gave me a whole new level of understanding of things that I thought I had a handle on. I'll say it that way. And I began to do four a day. And now I wouldn't just sit down and just plop down and just do four. Um, I'm riding in the car. And when I would turn on a podcast or turn on something else, I do scripture. When I would go walking down the hallway, so i got to go from here to there, I'd do the Bible. I mean, it's just mindless time. Let's make it mindful time and do the Bible, walking down the hallway. When I'm waiting on the phone talking with somebody because the Internet company that rhymes with Dendream is an issue, and i got a column, and I'm on, the, on hold for a while. Let's do the Bible. I'm on hold. Better, better listen to the Bible than that music. When you know I, I'm waiting for a meeting to take place because somebody's late, and I'm supposed to be meeting for a lunch, let's do the Bible. And so this is the philo- now. This isn't something you have to you have to do. I'm just telling you what I would do. And and I began to turn what the Lord what I had as mindless time. Or uh, I also noticed I'm on Instagram and Facebook a lot less than I used to be because I began to turn mindless time into mindful time. I'm not saying God's telling you to do this, maybe. I kind of actually sense right now. He's telling some of you, this is what you need to be doing. Um, and I would start with four a day and then went to five a day. And last week, God told me to up it to six. And I said, God, man, I am really pushing it with five. like, I don't have any more time. And God said, just trust me. Ever, God ever tell you that? Just trust me and see what happens. Just, and somehow the time appeared to be in my schedule. Somehow. There began to be time in between meetings or in the car or uh, uh, waiting at Walmart uh, or uh, waiting at the gas station in line. Somehow there were two cars in front of me at the gas station. I had to wait. That's no coincidence. And God began to change me. And I can tell you I'm not the same as I was, whatever, 82 days ago. I'm not the same. I'm not the same. And if you do this, something begin to become more familiar with His Word. You will not be the same. People in your life will say, "What is different about you?" You say, "But I'm pretty good Christian-wise. Like I got the whole Christian thing wrapped up. Like I, I come to church every once in a while. If I don't come to church, I hit it up online, and I'm good. I got the check. I'm good, man. I got the church thing going on. I, I every once in a while I'll open my Bible. I feel good. You know, my kids are. You know, they're not too crazy. You know, <laughs> my life is fine." But God doesn't want your life to be fine. He came to give you abundant life. And this is where it starts. Being familiar with His Word makes us familiar with His voice. When we become familiar with His voice, we recognize His voice. When we recognize His voice, we can hear His voice. When we hear His voice, we can pattern our life after His voice and develop habits of following His direction and developing those habits. We begin to live according to the Spirit. And living according to the Spirit means we hear Him, He directs us, and we're living the best life possible because it's His. But that's, this is step one in that process, becoming familiar with His Word. And we see that here in the life of Simeon. His life had been dedicated to looking forward to the coming of Jesus. He experienced fulfillment and joy on this day when Jesus comes in because he'd been living according to the Spirit. He was all in on what God had for him. And as a church, just a glimpse into the future, we're going to do this come January. We're going to have an emphasis for next year called all in. Being all in. We're going to define what it means to be all in for Jesus, straight from Scripture. Define what it means. There's ten areas. Define what it means to be all in for Jesus. And as a church, I'm going to call on the church. Now, you don't have to do this if you don't want to do it. If, if your health will prevent you from doing it, that's fine. If you just don't want to do it, that's fine too. But this is what I mean. I am, as the pastor, I'm calling on the church to do We're going to do a 21-day Daniel fast. That comes straight from the book of Daniel, chapter 10. Daniel was a prophet. He did this fast, which means a Daniel fast there in Daniel, chapter 10, was no bread, no meat, no alcohol for for 21 days. Let that sink in for a second. (laughs) No bread, no meat, no alcohol. Daniel did this. And at the end of 21 days for Daniel, in Daniel, chapter 10, an angel showed up and gave him a revelation. Maybe an angel is going to show up to you and give you a revelation. I don't know. But we're going to set the tone for 2021 by pursuing the Lord in this way. And to come day 21, which will be uh, January 24th, we're going to have the Lord's Supper that day. And then we're going to have a feast, maybe of all bread and meat. But That will be that day. Uh, And uh, maybe that brisket, Lynette, you did last week was so good. Um, But we're going to do it that day. And as a church, we're going to celebrate this. We're going to pursue this. We're going to follow God. And we're going to set it out starting January the 3rd. So get ready. Get re- You say, how do I get protein? That's what the Internet is invented for. Figure it out. No meat? Okay, well, then maybe you've got to discover new ways. Maybe you've got start eating nuts. I don't know. But this is what we're going to do for 21 days, starting January the 3rd, in pursuing God in this way, trying to hear his voice. And so we have Simeon following the Lord, listening to the Lord, having the Spirit be upon him. But he wasn't the only one there that day that also had the Spirit upon him. Look at the next verse, verse 36. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer, night and day, and coming up At that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and speak to Him of all, to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. So she begins to shout. She begins to go crazy there for the Lord in the temple. And what's phenomenal is it calls her a prophetess. Again, remember, no prophet for 400 years. Like for us, again, the year 1620, no prophet. And the first one on the scene is a woman. This prophetess walks in there, and she begins to declare of God's greatness. And we saw Simeon had the Holy Spirit upon him. Well, a prophet is similar because a prophet has to recognize, has to hear, has to act, and has to speak according to the Spirit's direction. And so uh, these two are linked, Simeon and Anna, because they are both being directed by the Holy Spirit. By definition, a prophet lives according to the Holy Spirit. Now, there's all kinds of false prophets out there then as now. And false prophets claim to speak on behalf of God, but in truth, their words do not align with uh, either the specific words or the patterns of Scripture. But Anna was declaring what God was doing and what God had in uh, that planned for that moment. She 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 encountered Jesus and could not contain herself. She had to tell people because she encountered Jesus because she was being influenced by the Spirit. And so you may say, you know, in my life, this is you speaking, I try to listen for the Spirit, but at what point will I recognize that I am living according to the Spirit? How can I recognize in somebody else that they're living according to the Spirit? Well, we know Simeon was. We know Anna was. She was a prophetess. What did both of them do at the end of their sections? They told people. They told people. They, they could not contain within them what the Lord had put within them. And they told people about Jesus. A sign of someone living according to the Spirit is telling people about Jesus. A sign of someone who's living according to the Spirit is telling people about Jesus. Jesus himself said this in, that, in Matthew chapter 7 You will recognize them by their fruits. You will recognize them by their fruits. That's not just how they live, what the, how their life is. Uh, In that context, he's talking about people. You will recognize them by the people they produce. What you produce proves who you are. You will recognize them by their fruits. Let me give you a little illustration. Somebody tell me, what is this? That's an orange. If you're colorblind, it's orange. It's right there. I'm slightly color brined. Not with oranges, but more with blues and grays. So I got a couple oranges. Somebody tell me what this is. If I can get to it. What's this? Apple. Got a couple apples. A couple oranges. Is there a difference between the two? What's different? <laughs> one's red, one's orange. <laughs> Do they taste the same? Yeah. What if you were expecting to drink apple juice and instead it was orange juice? Pulpy orange juice. What kind of face would you make? You mm, no, see, would you spit? Oh, that's not what I thought at all. You recognize the fruit. You I mean, you can recognize it just by looking at it. But what is produced? What is produced? Y- it is produced as it's used, right? I mean, you could take the orange. Does that look, does that look like apple juice coming out there? Doesn't look very happily to me. But if I am an orange and I walk up to you and say, I'm an apple, you're going to believe me? What if I paint myself red and I put a stem coming out? Would you believe me then? Say, I'm an apple. Believe me. But then you look at what I produce, and I'm not producing apple juice. So it's obvious I'm not an apple because I'm not producing what I say I am. Only when you produce what you are, or, or what you produce proves what you are, proves who you are. And so if you are living according to the Spirit, Jesus' words, Matthew seven twenty, you will recognize them by their fruits. You will recognize them by what they produce. Someone living according to the Spirit is recognized by producing believers someone who's living according to the Spirit, tells people about Jesus. And Honestly, if we're telling people about Jesus, we don't have time to tell people about complaints. If we're telling people about Jesus, we don't have time to tell people about politics. If we're telling people about Jesus, we don't have time to tell people about how bad our spouse is or our kids. If we're telling people about Jesus, we don't have time to do anything else, because our time here is short. I don't know if you know that or not. I watched a funeral, streaming funeral yesterday of a guy who's 10 years younger than me, the g- or who, who did the funeral. He's 10 years younger than me. He did the funeral for his sister, who's my age. He messaged me earlier in the week and said, Josh, my sister died. I said, what? <laughs> he, he, and he's a car salesman, and he goes, how do I do a funeral? He says, I don't know what to do. life is short guys the people who are in your life the influence you have over them is short if you have short people in your house your influence over them will be gone quickly before you know it and they'll be taller soon (laughs) and they'll be out of your house and your influence over them won't be there forever the influence over your friends will not be the same as it always is now And so we need to be producing the fruit God designed us to produce. If God designed you an orange, produce orange juice. Don't try to be an apple. You're not an apple. Be an orange. Embrace it. If God designed you to be an apple, be an apple. Honestly, more people like apples anyway. (laughs) Just follow statistics. I like both. The juice. Uh, I'm not a fan of eating oranges just straight. My kids are. But but if you're an apple, be an apple. God designed you to be an apple. Be an apple. Don't try to be an orange. Don't paint yourself orange. Be an apple. But if you're a Christian, God designed you to make disciples. Matthew 28, 19 and 20, that means creating disciples. That means telling people about Jesus. And that means growing them in Jesus. You make them and you grow them. You replicate yourself. You produce what you are. Be a producer. Prove that you have the Spirit. So how do you prove that you're living according to the Spirit? You're telling people about Jesus. So will you start the process of living according to the Spirit today? Start that process. Ingest the Word. Allow the Word to influence you so you can hear His voice and recognize what He's saying. Will you start the process? Whom have you told about Jesus? Whom will you tell about Jesus? A part of this all-in thing in January is we're going to be praying two things. Number one, praying that we would have somebody, uh, praying for the opportunity to tell somebody about Jesus today, and the opportunity to disciple somebody today, and say, God, who will that be? Begin. I guarantee you, you pray those two prayers, He's going to answer them. It may make you uncomfortable. You may not like it, but He's going to answer them. Who can I tell about Jesus today? Who do I need a to disciple today? Whom have you told about Jesus? Whom will you tell about Jesus? And has anyone told you about Jesus? Jesus is God's son. He died so all of your sins would be forgiven. And he rose from the dead so that you will live after you die. That's his purpose. So that we would get saved. Will you believe today? So, in just a minute, we're going to sing a song. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing a song. And you're going to have an opportunity to make a decision. Will you follow Jesus? Will you believe in Jesus? Maybe for the first time today. I'm going to be standing right down here. You come. Let's talk. You need to come and pray. Come and pray and say, God, I need to follow you. I'm going to commit to becoming more familiar with the word so I can recognize your voice, so I can live according to your spirit, so I can produce what you designed me to produce. And if you're in the room, come down front. I'll be here. You can come and just pray as well. If you're online, just click the link or button right below me. that says, I made a decision. Tell me a decision, and we'll call you today. Today. You're going to get a phone call if you fill that out and make a decision today. Make that decision. Follow the Lord. Make the next step in the process. You're not going to be perfect tomorrow because of a decision you make today, but it's a process. You'll be better tomorrow than you were today because you decide to follow the Lord today. In a new and unique way, powerful way. So.